0: Welcome, beautiful mamas, to another episode of the Happy Mama Movement. Today, we're going to talk about our relationships, our marriages, our partners, and how motherhood changes every single element of that very important relationship. In my work with mamas over the last few years, this is one area that consistently comes up. Just recently, I held a workshop with women here in Sydney, and very quickly did the conversation turn from motherhood to marriage. Bitterness, resentment, lack of intimacy, overwhelm, an absolute overwhelm with what is going on within a relationship once a baby comes along. And I have to be honest, I haven't always felt comfortable talking about this topic because my own relationship is far from perfect. We've had our moments of near breaking. We've had moments where I have sat there feeding a baby in the middle of the night, feeling so alone and resentful that it's all up to me that I wondered whether it was just easier if I did this on my own. We have been in those dark places and are still finding our way back. But I don't think you want to hear the perfect marriage story. I think we all need to hear the truth about what's happening behind closed doors, and how we're all trying to slowly but surely find our way back. And that's why I can't wait for you to listen to this episode. Today I have interviewed Natalie Biviano, a beautiful, honest, soul-loving mama, who is brave enough to share her own marriage struggles how her life was turned upside down with the birth of her first baby and how her marriage got to a point of near-breaking and nearly broke her. But since then, over the last six years, she has absolutely committed to studying marriage, trying to understand what it needs and how she could turn this part of her life around. It's just another mama sharing her story in the hope that you too can find your way back. This is the Happy Mama Movement with your host, Amy taylor Cabaz, author, Mama to Three and editor of the Happy Mama magazine. In my mamahood journey, I have gone from an overachieving, addicted to busyness superwoman to finally slowing down, simplifying, and realizing that being a mama is the greatest self development teacher in the world. And after more than 15 years covering breaking news, I've swapped current affairs to inspiration and now bring you the best I can find every week to help us feel more connected as women, as we raise our families, because when we come together, amazing things happen. So welcome to the movement. I want to start by asking you about your motherhood journey in general and how your marriage, your relationship has factored in with that whole time that you've been a mama.
1: Oh, Amy, that's a big question. <laughs> <sighs> okay, so the whole motherhood journey, and how has marriage factored in? Um, in one word, it was a shock.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It was a massive shock, mm. and I mean, there's many shocks with with motherhood, but I think the biggest shock for me was was definitely the the evaporation of emotional intimacy.
0: Oh my gosh, that is such a good word evaporation. Oh, my God. <laughs> it does feel like that. It suddenly disappears overnight into nothingness. Absolutely.
1: Amazing. Absolutely, yeah.
0: So you felt like you weren't prepared for that side of it at all?
1: No, because, you know, when you think about who you were as a unit, as, as the two of you, so it's you and him, it's a me and you scenario. So then when when the dynamic of two becomes 3 so when we move from 2 to 3 like holy smokes like that no one prepares you for that bombshell and um you know you kind of are still kind of kept in this in this mindset in this frame this this dink lifestyle double income no kids we've got this yes a baby's going to totally add so much adventure and extra love and here we go let's let's get it on type thing and then the reality of, of no sleep, of what the hell are we doing and of your own levelling up to your own expectations of what you thought you would be as a mum and then not meeting those and, you know, all these kind of little creep-ups just start eating away at you and then you start to feel this whole big disappointment that this is not what it was supposed to be. Thank
0: you for being so honest about that. In your own experience of six years of motherhood now, how have you come to peace with those feelings of resentment, bitterness, separation, all of that that's come up? How have you worked through that?
1: I think the crisis point, if that's what you want to call it, came tumbling down. My little girl, uh, she was about six months old, and at that point, that's when the fights were just getting more and more, and you know, we just weren't seeing eye to eye, and th- you you just didn't even know how to how to handle it, right? So then you'd kind of often just curl over into your pillow, shed your tears, and then you kind of go, okay, what's going on here? And it's not until I suppose the the last straw fight that makes you really look at what's going on. And for me, that last straw fight was when, was when, it feels still so raw, it was such a long time ago, but it, that, that emotion of how important this work is was when I was so, observant with how hard he was working he'd be out in all hours of the evening doing what he has to do to provide for this family and you know me coming from this background of high level independence educated being able to provide for myself that type of independence where i'm like okay how can i how can i help him how can i contribute how can i also bring in some financial means so that to take the pressure off so if you can kind of see this as an outsider you would almost see two very well intentioned people trying to make this whole thing work but then what's actually kind of happening in a real life real-time scenario is he just wants to see his wife and baby safe and taken care of and all good and his wife on the other hand just wants to see her husband at home and so she thinks how can I help how can I help so she's got her laptop out she's trying to hustle her way into what kind of freelancing gig can I do and, you know, she's got baby on a boob and laptop on the right-hand side. just trying to get this final job out so then I can invoice it, that type of thing. And then you can only so much attend to the crying baby. At some point you kind of go, you can cry for a minute or for five. It's okay. I just need to finish off this last bit of work. And so at that critical time, the baby's crying. My husband's just pulling up. I could hear his truck pulling up and I can hear the gate opening. And obviously he's close enough to hear the baby crying as well. And then so when he walks in the door, he sees a baby crying unattended to and he sees me on my laptop. And so at that point... He's just blown up and, and I can't even remember the words, but they were heavy enough for me to just curl up into this ball and said, this is not the way it's supposed to be. This is not the way it's supposed to be. And I suppose that that last straw scenario um, was was almost the impetus to kind of say I need to find answers we are not the first people to have babies nor will we be the last people so how do people make this work and so at that point and this is a true story I googled (laughs) (laughs) I googled it because google knows everything (laughs) Um, I googled why doesn't he adore me the way that he used to Google didn't quite have the answers oh, right in front of me awesome. <laughs> um which which then led to um, a discovery path. It led to just doing the homework, doing the research, and what does that mean? That means going out to the library, finding the books on marriage, reading up on every article that you can, listening to every podcast that you can, buying courses on how to master your marriage. and that's that was the beginning of the journey for me. and a book in particular that absolutely changed my life. You know, there's, a, there's just the one book that changes your life. And for me, that book was The Five Love Languages by mm-hmm. Dr. Gary Chapman. Um, and it's, you know, read worldwide by millions and millions of people. And I said, millions and millions of people can't get it wrong. Mm-hmm. So let's give this book a shot. And just learning the key components of what that book was about changed my life.
0: I often find with women, you know, we often say that we put ourselves last. I think in truth, we actually put our marriage very last. As women, we realise that we need to do something for ourselves. We might need to, we know that we need to exercise. We know we need to eat better. You know, we're aware of it. And then what we need to put into our relationship to make it work long term, that is even not even on the radar for the majority of us. And that is something that I think we really need to talk about more and that's why I'm so grateful for you for being so brave. You and I both had tears as you were telling that story. For those who are in exactly the same place that you were talking about, where you literally are trying to be everything to everyone, you're trying to work to relieve your husband's stress, you're trying to be the best mum and you feel like you're failing on all fronts and they do want to come back to fixing their relationship, what can you tell them now? How do they start turning that around other than going and getting that book, of course?
1: So if there's, you know, one thing I can share with the listeners is discovering your own love language as well as discovering your husband's love language will just make your way of relating to each other so much more easier. And if I kind of just refer back to my example of, you know, why we were just butting heads so much. Um, So in, in, I guess, a snapshot, you look at the five love languages and they are words of affirmation. So words that kind of offers praise, support. Hey, aren't you looking good today? Oh, gee, I'm so proud of you for doing that. Those words, some people are words of affirmation. So the second love language is acts of service. And they revolve around, you know, doing things around the house predominantly. So um, showing your love via doing an act, making sure that the baby's face is clean, putting dishes away, paying a phone bill. These are all acts. And whilst they may seem negligible little daily tasks that we have to do, they're still an expression of love. So that's one and two. So if we get to the third love language, that is quality time. So that could be absolute phones away, sitting on the couch, holding hands. That could be a stroll down to the shop. That could be um, just a moment where you've got each other's time. That could be just, you know, breaking away from work for a few hours and going to the park and throwing a ball. So that's, that's quality time. The fourth one is physical touch that's self-explanatory um but i just want to note that it's not necessarily sexual intercourse as physical touch some people just love a good shoulder rub mm. or just you know when you're driving somewhere and if it, even if it's a short distance just the hand on the knee mm. over the driver's seat just that touch a little a little bit of physical connection speaks volume to some people, and if that's their love language, that's something to be mindful of. And the last one is um, gifts. So physical, tangible items that are gifts that you give to someone. So it may or may not have any monetary value, so a gift that my child may make for me is a card. That's a gift. She's giving it to me. A gift of my husband buying me flowers or... um, you know a a piece of jewelry so these are ways that people express love and then it wasn't until i kind of stumbled across this book and read about all these different ways of how people show love that it occurred to me back to the whole scenario where i found myself in that fetal position that my love language was words of affirmation and his love language was acts of service mm. So in his mind, I love you, Nat. I love this baby. I'm going out to work and doing these things. I'm being the man I'm providing. I am showing you my love by being able to come home and change her nappy and putting away some dishes. So they're his ways of showing love. So I'm I'm kind of seeing I'm seeing that but I'm not hearing it because my love language is words of affirmation. Mm. So... How true is
0: that? And it's just an understanding, isn't it? Because as (sighs) you're saying that, my husband, I remember we've had quite um, heated conversations around. I've said to him, I don't want you to walk in through the front door and go straight into the kitchen and start doing the washing up for me. I want you to sit down with me and the kids and say hello. Right. And And he's said in return... But I thought I was helping you, right? So his act of service, his act of love—sorry—is his act of service of walking in yes. and washing the dishes. Whereas me, yes, I'm like, hello, <laughs> we're only <over> here <laughs> to
1: the fucking dishes. Yes, and so it yes, it really is
0: simply a different understanding. It's yes. not saying to them necessarily, "Don't do the dishes." It's trying to understand how that is an act of love
1: absolutely. And
0: that we are all doing it in our own different ways.
1: Absolutely. Mm. I was expressing the way that I knew. So I'm words, right? I'm happy to kind of say, oh, honey, thank you so much. I really appreciated you mm. picking up some dinner on the way home. And he's like, meh. Mm. And, it, and it didn't speak volumes to him. Mm. Um, so I'm delivering my love in a way that I know how and because I lacked so much of it from him, I felt so unloved.
0: Mm.
1: Whereas in his eyes, he's like, what do you mean you feel so unloved? I'm doing everything in my capacity to show you that I love you. Can't you see that?
0: So what the, what's the solution here? So we understand that we have different ways that we mm-hmm. communicate mm-hmm. love. Perhaps if you're listening, you can see that now. What do you do? Is it about just communicating that I can see that you're doing this and I need this. Is it just getting clearer on what each of you need?
1: Yeah, look, absolutely, absolutely. And there's an actual online test that listeners can go on to. So if you Google the five love languages, um, it'll come up, it'll take you to a page where it'll ask you a series of questions and then you can find out just by way of answering this quick questionnaire, it's probably about five minutes, um, and then you can know for yourself what you are, because you might kind of go, of those five love languages that we just discussed, I love them all. Mm. Of course, I love spending time. Of course, I love having a, a foot rub. Um, and that's spot on. But we, as human beings, and the author alludes to this, we, we predominantly have one, or perhaps even two, that just speak volume, mm. and has is a, the currency is it holds greater weight um and you will find out you know when you when you do the test you you will know yourself ah oh, okay that's what i need to feel loved um so once you actually know yourself it's also important for for you to know what your husband's is and often look my husband's certainly not the type of bloke who'd be happy to jump on an online test and mm-hmm. do this whole quiz scenario he's just not that type of guy so i suppose it's just knowing how you can kind of work backwards and the clues on finding what his love language is, if he's not willing to do the test. if he is, your your chapter's ahead. So if you're both on board then that is that's absolutely the ideal scenario. Um, but if he if you don't know what his are, here are a few tips to kind of find out what his love language is. So ask yourself, what is it that he does? over and over, that you think to yourself, oh, that's nice. That's it, really. So recognise the things that he does do. Mm. How does he show up in your marriage? So that's one thing. Another thing, another way, rather, of finding out what his love language is, what do you hear him complain of? Does he say to you, oh, babe, come on, leave the dishes, come sit with me, Mm. come and sit with us, hang out? (sighs) Or does he say things like... do you know what I really miss? God, you used to make this really mean pasta bolognese. Mm. So that's him almost expressing his request to be loved. He's Mm. basically saying, I love the act of service that you used to do, make me my favourite meal, that type of thing.
0: Wow. So where are you now?
1: Where am I now? Um, Oh, gosh, this whole love languages concept, I stumbled across it. I implemented it. And I've seen the results firsthand. And because of that, I've just built on it. I've built on it and then read more books and been exposed to more different masters in the world. Mm -hmm. And there was a concept that I learned from Dr. John Gottman, who is the kind of god of relationships. He's been studying couples for over 40 years. And he says, you know, there's two types of couples. You're either a master or a disaster. Wow. And when I read that, it was like, OK, I know what I want to be. <laughs> um, I'm going to be a master.
0: You're listening to the Happy Mama Movement. At the core of it, the Happy Mama Movement is all about one simple idea, that mamahood can be the greatest catalyst for change in a busy woman's life. So now for the big three questions. What has motherhood taught you
1: about yourself? Motherhood has taught me that if I can raise human beings, I can do anything. Mm. Wow. It's taught me to practise self-love. It's taught me a deeper level of gratitude to my parents. And it's taught me to show up as wife. Mm. That's what motherhood's taught me for kind of higher, bigger, global humanitarian issues. So kind of refugees and all the crisis that goes on there, like the motherhood role has just really opened up how much I care.
0: Wow, I love that. Nobody has ever said that before, but it is so true. Mm -hmm. Yes, of course you start thinking about your children's world, but suddenly there is this opening of your heart to the greater mother almost yes beautiful answer thank you so if you could go back and tell yourself one thing and perhaps if it's okay i'll add a little extra bit to this question and ask if you could go back and tell yourself one thing about your marriage about your relationship once you became a mum what would you tell yourself before that breaking point at six months what do you wish you had known about this before motherhood came along
1: I would tell myself that the the bubble that I put myself in about marriage because when you you kind of get together it's all exciting it's all great and it's healthy and it's wonderful and you're each other's worlds that bubble I suppose I thought was going to carry us through life together.
0: Mm.
1: And so what I would tell myself is that bubble ain't going to be there anymore. It doesn't exist. What happens at that point, once that bubble busts, mm-hmm. to get yourself out of that is to to choose to, to love, to choose to be kind, to choose to see the goodness in him. It's a choice. Mm. And the quicker you make that choice, the quicker things can go come back into form and it's really hard because you know clients will often say well why is it me that always has to do the work what like I don't have enough on my plate like well I'm supposed to be this mom and this daughter and this career woman and oh what now I'm supposed to pander to him as well I'm not superwoman but here's the truth you freaking are Mm. you freaking well are the truth is because if you don't you suffer and you know it's 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 kind of a lot of Sarah Napthali's work in Buddhism. One of the the practices is dukkha, which is Mm. suffering, your own dukkha, right? So if it's something that you can change, which you can because it's a choice to show love. It's a choice to express your love in in a way that he understands. You can choose to do that. And because you're aware of it now and you can say a loving word or offer peace offering, so to speak, you've got that choice to end that suffering. Because if you don't, you'll end up suffering. Mm,
0: that's right. So finally, beautiful, I want to ask you what being a happy mama
1: means to you. So being a happy mama means finding joy in the things that I used to do or find joy in before I became a mum. Mm. So for me, that's kind of like, you know, slapping on my Brian Adam CD and just, yeah, I know, I'm a total geek, um, I just, that that brings me joy. Love it. Yes. And sitting in front of the telly and doing a movie marathon, that brings me joy with my favourite classic 80s comedies, Give Me, Coming to America or Police Academy series any day. Like that brings me joy. Yes. And the moment I kind of do that with my family in place um, and not find joy out of it, that's not a happy mama to me. Mm. Um, so then at that point they're kind of just little red flags to kind of go, what's going on here? You're not doing your filling your own cup scenario. Mm. So it's just, yeah, just paying attention to those little signals. That's
0: what
1: what it means to me.
0: Beautiful. Thank you so much for being so honest and brave and sharing that story. I can already imagine all of the messages I'm going to get about how much everyone needed to hear this. So thank you. You're so welcome. And mummers, if you want to have a look at
1: Natalie's work and learn more, you can go to www nataliebiviano.com. So that's Natalie spelt with an H-N-A-T-H-A-L-I-E and Biviano is spelled B-I-V-I-A-N-O. And no, I'm not related to Terry Biviano. Otherwise, I'd be in better shoes.
0: <laughs> It'll all be in the show notes as well, mamas. Thanks again, beautiful. You're so welcome. Thanks for listening to the Happy Mama Movement. To make sure you never miss an insight, please subscribe to this podcast and also pop on over to see the latest issue of the Happy Mama magazine at www.happymama.com.au.